Okay, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Okay, so uh, welcome back to Hugging and Learning. The previous, previously on <laughs> The podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. I'm Chelsea. I'm Andy. Um, and we're just going to get straight into it. We don't have a snack Rules today. are out the window, everybody. With uh, this desperate podcast, more like it. <laughs> this is part two of the desperate Desperate podcast about desperate lives. Um, Tell us to, to, to three sentences, Chelsea. Okay. Uh, use three sentences, uh, very brief sentences, to sum up what three three things that have happened so far. Uh, in alternating sentences, can we sum up everything that's happened so far with each of us only using three sentences, uh, round robin style? Okay. That makes sense. You say one sentence, I say yes. one sentence, but we're trying right. each of us saying three sentences to, to sum up six absolutely sentences. everything. Yeah. Okay. okay, so a new idealistic guidance counselor starts work at a high school. Uh, the high school is full of drugs. No one else in the administration cares that all the kids are on drugs. Sandy and Scott Cameron, a brother-sister duo, find themselves very involved in drugs. In fact, Scott starts dealing drugs for the local drug dealer, Kenny, and uh, his sister's boyfriend is cooking drugs in the school uh, chemistry lab. Right. This is the last sentence. This is you. Helen Hunt takes angel dust and judo kicks out a window. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We That's did it. it. That's, all you need to know. That's it. No, That's- she doesn't just judo kick out, the wind- out a window. She judo kicks out. Out of a window. What is yes. the difference between those well, things? Well, I know what you're Judo saying. Judo kicked oh. out a window, and then Judo I kicked out it. of a yeah. window. Yes. She, did, she, she, def- she defenestrates herself via <laughs> Judo kickery. Gosh, man, it's hard to use defenestrate, and you did it so well. I did. Thank yes. you. Yes. So she. So when last we saw the desperate lives um, of... <laughs> it's what my cat does. Yeah, everybody. Uh, sorry, listeners at home. Uh, what my cat over. does... My cat, my cats will see me talking to the inanimate box that I look at sometimes. And they're like, well, I bet he wants to pet me. And then they'll come stick their butthole in the camera. (laughs) I think it's to make you get off Zoom. The cat's like fucking done. If they start licking their buttholes, then I would know. (laughs) But as it is, Edith, you cam whore. Stop showing everybody a butthole. Wait for the tips to come in. So last we left Helen Hunt, her useless boyfriend, Steve, had uh, guilted her into trying his homemade schoolmate PCP, and she kicked out a window and then jumped out of it, of the second story chemistry lab window, and she is lying on the ground. When we rejoin the story, she's lying on the ground, already bloody and dirty, and then she starts screaming, I am invincible, and scraping her arms right. with shards of broken glass. And she is just shrieking. Like, yeah. 
to the point where I'm kind of like, did they do something in post to make this sound more unhinged? Because I, I'm trying to imagine. It felt really organic. That's just her amazing acting, I guess. Then I think so. Well, I mean, it just seems sloppy enough that they just like they didn't do any post recording <laughs> or anything like that. So the other she's kids come running. Doesn't even hurt. As yeah, well, it doesn't even hurt. The one that I caught. And she's like, "Can you feel it?" She's running up to the other kids are like surrounding her, and she's scraping her arms with broken glass and screaming, "Can you feel it?" The music is going insane. Scotty, her brother, um, comes running, and the the other guidance counselor, the one that doesn't care that the kids are doing drugs, followed shortly by um, Eileen Dearest, mm-hmm. who's she's the real Angela Lansbury of drugs around here. Oh yeah, she does like, seem to be around. Maybe it's you. All the- Eileen. Well, I, I have a strong theory about that coming up, that Eileen is the, the villain of this piece. Oh, I cannot sure. wait to hear this. Yeah. So so Scotty is the only person who like actually approaches his sister and tries to grab her and get her to stop hurting herself. Everyone else is kind of standing back just gawking. She's in full-on freak-out mode, and she's got the strength of 10 men. She's just like yeah. throwing herself around. Finally, fucking useless Steve comes downstairs, and he's just standing there watching. And finally, Sandy passes out, and Eileen screams for someone to call an ambulance. And then she starts. She turns around to the crowd of kids, and she's like, "Everybody does this. Everybody does this. Glad we're all sane." And it was like, uh, "Somebody, what?" She says, "Everybody does this because that's what everybody's refrain is. Well, right. everybody does drugs." And somebody says, and I didn't check if it was a, a, a person of color or not. Uh, probably not. Somebody, one of the students says, "Only the crazies." And she says, well, I'm glad we're all sane. I'm glad we're all sane. It doesn't make oh, my any cat, My cat did not sense. like that, by the way, <laughs> at all. My cat is out. And then the, the one girl, again, the one girl who doesn't smoke pot, who doesn't get a name, mm-hmm. um, that was in the bathroom earlier, looks right at Sandy's horrible boyfriend and goes, you jerk. Like she somehow knows yeah. that he's responsible for this. But he doesn't volunteer what happens even though he's the only person that knows what's in her system, which is fucking lethal negligence. At this point, the ambulance is coming. Steve, the damage is done. You could, the least, the very least you could do is tell them like what's in her body. Yeah. Because no one else knows. Exactly. I don't know how the justice system worked in 1982, but hair, van, this incident, that's three strikes in my book, Three Steve. strikes. Steve is never going to amount to anything. Um, he's not. a drain on society. So cut to Eileen and her lawyer boyfriend at the end of the date. If you forgot about Schmobert Schmedford, here he is. <laughs> um, I know I forgot about him, but she is also forgetting about him. She's distracted by thoughts of Susan uh, jumping out a window. And she's like, she catches this up exposition wise. She's like, Susan's going to be okay. No broken bones or anything. And I went, how? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe this PCP stuff isn't that bad. If you can survive a a drop like that. (laughs) And then Eileen is like, oh, things were so much simpler when I was young. Blah, blah, blah. Wrote thing some adult must say in anti-drug movie. Well, she uses a phrase that I've never heard anyone actually use in my life. She says, you know, something she's talking about being younger and she's like back uh, back when I was in kindergarten. 
She says kindergarten, like a real <laughs> like a creepy monster. Old yeah. <laughs> like, like a like Al Capone so in kindergarten. I gotta drink uh, gotta drink my jug of moonshine and then I'm gonna go back to kindergarten. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of weird eh, mountain person kind of vernacular. Kindergarten. But it sounds to Same. me like a like an Italian mobster kind of a like geese. What is you, what do you think this is? A kindergarten? Martin Scorsese directs kindergarten cop. <laughs> kindergarten cop. <laughs> Yes. Joe Pesci is Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, you got a fucking ferret. What are you going to do about it? Pet my fucking ferret. What I do, when I blow the whistle, get on the goddamn carpet. <laughs> I love Joe Pesci as Kindergarten Cop. This is amazing. It utilizes your one and only you accent. Like, fucking. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm a good teacher. I teach you. Like I taught you something. Like I, I that's all I do is teach people. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you're a good teacher. Kindergarten so, cap. If you've never heard Joe Pesci's rap album, by the way, you go check that out. It is Joe Pesci is Vinny Laguardia sings just for you. <laughs> no, hey, that's in Home Rain. Alone. He says, "Stealing something from kindergartners." That there's oh, something it? in Home Alone. Well, yes. we figured it all out. Well, that mystery solved, everybody. Calm down. Nobody needs to listen to that album now. <laughs> God. All so right. Eileen says that her boyfriend was addicted to pot. Some college boyfriend that she had was uh, addicted to pot. And then she looks at her boyfriend all shamefaced like, actually, we were living together. And I'm like, did she just slut shame herself? Yeah. Is that... <laughs> He doesn't that's, seem to that's care. That's a woman's rule. Either you're peer pressuring yourself, <laughs> slut shaming yourself, or you're jumping out a goddamn window. <laughs> the 1980s were not a good time for women. No. And three I'm options. Glad I made it out alive. So she goes on a truly interesting logic train here, which is that she decides the drugs at school are super widespread. Kids are defenestrating themselves at this point. You know, mm-hmm. like the situation is dire. No one cares but her. What can I possibly do? I can't save them all. Now, you think she might go in the direction of like, I can't save them all. What we need here is greater institutional change. What we need here is some sort of like a a larger, more organic, holistic approach. What we need, we can't save them all. So we need to like, this is a symptom of a greater disease. No, no, no. She goes the opposite direction. I can't save them all, so I'm just going to concentrate on saving Scotty. I've just picked one kid. This kid will be my project. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then one will become two. And I'm like, that is not how Mm -hmm. it works. This, you're going to burn yourself out trying to save one kid. You're going to ignore all the other half the kids in the school are also kids you're supposed to be guidance counseloring. You're going to spin your wheels and then you're going to be more than keeping a child off of drugs. Help these children get to college. (laughs) Get them in the college. Exactly. Not all swimming and not doing drugs, lady. That's (laughs) your life. Oh, so here's the the weird part about this to me is there's a weird dynamic between her and Schmobert Schmetford yep. uh, throughout this scene where he's like, they're they're clearly they're done with a date. She says kindergarten and still he's somehow <laughs> into it anyway. And he's like, hey, let's let's uh, let's go back into your apartment. She's like, uh, 
the, my only obsession in life is kids and drugs. And she talks about it for a while. She comes up, she hatches this amazing plan to laser focus in on Scott, the, the wiltingest kid in the world. <laughs> the, the, the lostest cause yeah, that I've the, ever seen. Even St. Jude's like, forget about it. <laughs> High five, Catholic joke. Chow, chow, chow. Uh, so she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to just concentrate on Scotty. And if I can save him, it'll be like I saved my brother or my college boyfriend. And then he's like, okay, well, cool. It sounds like you need your space. And she's like, I thought you were coming in, which means she wasn't into it. And then like all of her guidance counselor talk really horned her up. For yeah. Some, and some also action. she's like, yeah, I, I once lived with, with a boyfriend. I know it's a moral failing, except aren't you coming in to have you know, sex with me? And it's like, well, you get it. You get it one of two ways. Either yeah. you're embarrassed about your premarital sex life or you're not. Come on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, it's either slut or it's shame. You can't be both. You can't be both. So, so and if you're if you're Blink Blartendale in this thing, <laughs> if you're Blink Blartendale, I'm not gonna. I I would be disturbed if it was like, oh, I don't feel like doing anything tonight. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll give you some space. Except I really need to work on this kid. Uh. Make sure this kid's not on drugs. Do you want to come in? I'd be like, fuck no. no. I don't understand how you got from not into it to into it, but it went through a small child. So bye. <laughs> right. Oh, and the other thing is, she's like, hey, that date we've got for the lake that you've planned, why don't we fucking bring Scotty to that bullshit? Yes. And he is not best pleased, which no one would be. She's no. like, finally, I'm going to take some time off work to go on this date. Can we bring this problem kid? Yeah. And, and he's sure like, no. A, yeah. first of all, that seems like a definite conflict of interest. Like the school should not be okay mm. with you taking you kids on trips. Hanging, yeah. Don't hang out with kids outside of school. And also, uh, the, the whole point of I'm sure the lake was, Blink Blarndale is probably like, all right, I'll take her to the lake and maybe, maybe somewhere in all that, I'll get 15 minutes where she isn't talking about kids and fucking drugs yeah maybe yes. 15 minutes and yes. then the whole thing falls apart because she's like i'm bringing drug accomplice number one with yeah. us i'm bringing a small drug dealer on our date uh he is both of the things i'm most interested in a 15 yeah. year old and on drugs so if only we can get swimming into it somehow so uh? oh <laughs> mm -hmm. be it's a the hat trick of all my three interests the only three things i will ever talk about swimming drugs and kids she swimming, drugs, she has kids. no personality she has no, no. interests of i mean she has no backstory when she's from tennessee and she has a brother um I don't know why this guy wants to date her. I don't uh, know if she had a personality before she started teaching it at uh, Hamilton High School where all the kids major in drugs, but she definitely doesn't have one now or anything me, to contribute to any conversation that isn't like, I gotta save these kids, I gotta save these kids, whatsoever. I gotta save these kids. And no one can stand that. And I'm gonna tell you an embarrassing story about my life, mm -hmm. you know, as is the hallmark of this podcast. When I was 16 years old in high school, my two best friends at the time uh, started smoking weed around the clock and I did not like smoking weed at all. And I was also very still uh, trying to get over my, my religious past and, you know, being, inundated. yeah. And being inundated with this sort of thing, my entire life, I took right. a hard anti-drug stance and you know how many people wanted to be my friend? Zero. Zero. <laughs> because I was the dude who was like, drugs are bad. And people were like, cool, man. Goodbye forever. 
Yeah, have fun um, with that. Yeah, it's not really a thing to hang your personality on. I'll say that from a, a, a personal standpoint. It's just, you're just an insufferable n- negative Nancy. Right. And irritating Eileen. <laughs> Come on, Eileen. You're <laughs> a bore to be around. Um, she's just, she's so self-important i don't know what the i don't know what the terminology is dramatic i mean i don't know what i'm going for here she's just a fucking drag like no one wants to be around someone who's so hell-bent on one thing and they have no perspective on it and they have no like they can't turn off she's just the worst she is a walking incarnation of the phrase won't somebody think of the children Right? Except I never like, stop. Won't someone ever stop thinking about the children and like have a glass of wine and take a day off? Can someone stop me from thinking about the children? <laughs> Please. So we go to the fucking lake where like, I, every time they, they switch over, it's, I'm sorry, it's the lake where uh, Eileen is hanging out with Scotty. Also, there's a boyfriend nearby. Should he ever come up? I guess. Right. He's fixing something. He's fixing a tire. He's doing a thing. He's got like a practical thing to be doing. Um, But there's also like, like I'm amazed that Scotty showed up for this. This is maybe the biggest logical leap in this entire movie is that this 15 year old teenage drug dealer wanted to go to the lake with his guidance counselor and her fucking boyfriend on a weekend. Like that just do not see did they trick him there with drugs? <laughs> Did they tell him they wanted to buy drugs? They were going to the lake, which is made of drugs. Oh, I'll go to the lake. Oh, of drugs. yeah, great. So she, he's he's inexplicably just like warming to her. She's also like, let's fish, and I'm like, well, this gets worse and worse. Like this gets more, <laughs> more and more boring. It is, it's it not like let's tempt him with an fishing. amusement park. Let's go on a roller coaster. Something that might be exciting. It's like let's go sit at the she edge of call a it, stupid lake and she would fish. call it a roller coaster. By the way. <laughs> I'm on a roller coaster. I'm get on one of roller coaster. Hey, get on that fucking roller coaster. Joe Pesci is the ride <laughs> attendant. Uh, here's the thing: is this scene contains Eileen having a, an entire conversation by herself. She says everything's terrible. This is basically the way the conversation goes. Everything's terrible. Record stores are full of bongs. She points that <laughs> yes. out. I was like, Tootie well, finds you're, a bong. Yep. Tootie finds a bong. <laughs> And she's like, boy, everything's stupid and kids are on drugs. And then she's like, immediately, same breath. But parents do take a lot of Tylenol and cough medicine. And then they do also take pills for everything. These I'm like, what's your point, yes, lady? It's, and then it's like, also read the room. Is, yeah. is the kid that you're trying to save the one you want to be, first of all, vilifying all the kids in the record shops? And secondly, being like, but your parents are no better. Like, if the point yeah. is to get him out of thinking about drugs, like out of his head, out of his problems, spend a nice day at the lake. Ostensibly, this is what we're trying to do is distract him. Why did you immediately bring up drugs? Like, talk about anything else. Talk about well, baseball. Talk about anything. You know, why? you know why? Because she brought him out to fucking fish and ride bikes, and there is nothing to say about either <laughs> one of those subjects. She also doesn't know him, and what do a 15-year-old and his guidance counselor have in common? The f- I mean, thank God for the chaperone there, because this could have turned like Mary Kay Letourneau very quickly here. She's got <laughs> an obsession with these kids. Very could It could have. She's already... Uh, it's not uh, appropriate. You know, she'd already, she's already gotten him interested in the, the cute girls at swim practice. I'm saying, here's the other thing, is if you're Scotty, 
and you want to take a fucking break from Eileen talking about the hypocrisies of the world, you can always treat yourself to glancing over at the boyfriend who is scowling at you the entire time. <laughs> right. Talk I about would people only... who don't want you to be around. You think your parents don't like you. Get a hold of this boyfriend. Wait a second. Fucking hates your guts. There's a counselor's boyfriend who you have never met. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lawyer like a, marginally somehow he's got to read some torts he says oh he boy does. he's like an adidas version of uh, brad pitt uh i don't know what that meant uh anyway but like if you're scotty i kind of hope you're on drugs that's the only way you're gonna get through <laughs> the this thing. then she's like oh i fishing i'm no good at it he throws both of their pulls into the she, pond i'm just yeah, like i she, fucking hate teenage kids she throws her fishing pole in the water scotty laughs no he, she does she does oh, it okay. first and then she takes his and throws it in the water i'm 100 yeah because I, okay. I wrote down it's a real dumb breakthrough because then she tries to get them back though she's amazing like, like, those I for those <sighs> i can't believe this movie's only half over at this point <laughs> so <laughs> we get, then we get treated to a literal biking montage. I'm not, this is not an, I'm not saying that as a, it's not an allegory. It's just a biking montage. They do some biking stunts that look very dangerous. No one is wearing a helmet. This is maybe the the most roller coaster, roller coaster. <laughs> it's an emotionally, it's an emotionally roller coaster. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Also this montage goes on for, it's a montage. So we're cutting even like a montage, which is cut down to, you know, uh, show the passing of time. Even the montage is more time than you could enjoy riding a bike. <laughs> yes. Like yes. it's more fun than you could have. With <laughs> Again, I'm going to drive this home. Your guidance counselor and her boyfriend who hates you. Yeah. This, this is, can you imagine hanging out with a teacher socially in a way that wasn't creepy and weird as a 15 year old? You, I haven't been anywhere near any sort of high school teacher in years, but you saying that made my stomach drop. <laughs> right? Just the like, fucking sheer thought okay of... Nothing okay is going on. When I was in high school, my freshman English teacher had a bunch of the girls over to her house for a sleepover one night. And uh, it was like, as far as I understand, nothing untoward happened. But sure, still, but... like, as soon as that got around school, everybody was like, A, this is creepy, and B, okay, we're already competing with popular... Like, to get good grades and to be popular and all this. And now the teachers are picking favorites in such a way that like, what am I now supposed to make the teacher like me as a friend? Like what, yeah. what is that the how I succeed? Yeah. These lines are not to be blurred. Like they, the lines are there for a reason. The separation of kids from teachers is socially in a school environment is very specifically there to help everyone thrive. Did you hear that, Robin Thicke? Stand down on this one, okay? <laughs> These lines cannot be blurred. Cannot be blurred. So also, then we cut down. to Playland. Uh, we're in the car, we're truck, we're driving yeah. home from our biking montage, eating ice cream, laughing. Somehow now we're all best friends, weirdly. And the- Oh, we forgot to mention that that uh, um, Paul Schneumann, uh, the boyfriend uh, wraps up the entire evening by driving his bike into the lake. Uh, oh, yeah. What the fuck? Fu because this person cannot end scenes. Nope. So we got crying, we got storming off, and we got driving your bike into the lake. Surprised Those are the ways Scotty that didn't you... start crying over the bike in the lake and, <laughs> and storm off. And then storm off, off the pier. <laughs> yes. So they, they're driving back, eating ice cream. Everyone's laughing, having a great time. They pass Susan, his little girlfriend, in the mm -hmm. parking lot of Playland playing Frisbee with Ken, which this really upsets um, our our hero, I guess, Scott. Oh, no. 
Mm, he's not a I'm hero. sorry. He's our zero. He's our zero. <laughs> Eileen's our hero somehow. Desperate Eileen. Yeah, they pass. It's fun. Anyway, so Scotty's upset because he doesn't want his girlfriend doing drugs. And now she's clearly like hanging out with Ken, which right. we already know Ken sleeps with high school girls. So like, that's and not great. He's and he's made of drugs and he's made of drugs and he has a lot of neon and guns at his apartment. So, um, <laughs> neon and guns, the Ken story. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds good. But I think guns and roses is what we're going with. <laughs> Come on guys, neon and guns. Almost like friend let's Ken. workshop a little bit. So the very dealer. next scene is cut to someone's nose doing a line of coke off a mirror. Yep. Um not in the bathroom, getting our toot on. Uh <laughs> um uh what's it, Kirk Cameron? Oh, you know drug slang. Congratulations. <laughs> I do. But uh it's Scotty. He's back off the wagon. Just seeing Susan He's, playing yeah. Frisbee with Ken was enough to drive him straight from uh, I smoke weed. To I am doing lines of coke off a mirror like a fucking expert. And then, sure, he's going to get some swimming done. And I write, sure, why not? It's better than getting coked up and writing anything but the West Wing. Right. I thought that sounded clever, but I don't, I don't think so. Scott just gets coked up for, for swim for practice. For swim practice. Rick Springfield is back with a reprise yep. of Desperate Lives, some more Desperate Lives song work for us. Love, yep. to hear a, love to hear a theme song twice in a movie. That makes all the dramaturgical sense in the world. Sure. Um, he... He does two lines of coke and then waits approximately 1.5 seconds before jumping into the pool. Yeah, he wants a real (laughs) coke-fueled Michael Phelps experience here. Half hour? Does that not apply? Do you not have to wait a half hour? (laughs) I don't think think cramps or... Oh, no, I got them cocaine cramps. (laughs) Them crank cramps. (laughs) (laughs) Crank cramps. Ooh, that's pretty good, but I think just the cramps is good for our our band name. (laughs) The crank cramps. Crank cramps. So suddenly Susan is there and they're fighting about drugs. He's on Coke. He's on yeah. Coke. He's out of yeah. the pool. He's dripping wet. He's standing there in a speedo dripping wet on Coke, arguing with her, fighting about drugs. And she says, In your hat, which is a Did she say that? Truly baffling in expression. Your hat. In your hat. He oh. says something like, you shouldn't do this. You're da-da-da-da-da, little Bo Peep something something. And she says, in your hat, which I think means like, sit on it? I don't know. In your hat? In mm, your that's, hat. Nobody's ever said that <laughs> in their lives. Especially a young teenage girl. You know how we say in your hat a lot when we're 14, Oh, 15. in your hat. Phrase meaning in origin. I'll be goddamned. Um, the 30s. The 30s, yep. Yeah. 100%. Yep. 50-year-old slang. Akin to, like hell, you say, uh, nothing doing. I shall certainly do no such thing. In your hat. Nothing doing. Oh, 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 okay. Chelsea, this makes all the sense in the world. Does it? It does, because in your hat is an abbreviation of the phrase, go shit in your hat. And she definitely knows that 50-year-old piece of slang. Well, you know who does? Lou fucking Hunter does, or whatever the fuck his name is. Lou, yeah, Lou Hunter. Oh, is he related to Holly Hunter? Who's not in this movie? No, you're thinking of Helen Hunt. I am. We should move on past this moment. I've embarrassed myself. In your hey, hat, we will. Go shit in your hat. <laughs> what shit is in your hat. this? You know what? Technically, this the use whole of slang is, is bummed. <laughs> Truly. 
it says, says here the the whole phrase is go shit in your hat and wear it. So they're just taking like the middle part out in your hat. Yeah, it's, she doesn't. There's no way on earth this girl knows this in 1982. This was this was perfected by and the horse you rode off in on. <laughs> right, like that's where the, they shoot up. horses, don't they? <laughs> they shit in horses' hats, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> shit in a horse's hat, and make him wear it. <laughs> Makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. All right. Baffling. Uh, this is a, Susan, the slang in this movie is fucking baffling. Susan so, tells uh, her cooked up boyfriend to shit in a hat and then tells him <laughs> little Bo Peep is dead. Yes. Which is, uh, I guess he's like, basically the gist of his argument is stay away from Ken. He's not good people. And, and then he's, he's like, are you on drugs right now? And she's like, yeah, I'm on, I'm, you know, I smoked some pot and he is incensed. And I want to be yeah. like, you are fully on Coke. Well, you're going to be mad. You're not even going to reveal that at this point. You're just like, the mirror is probably still right there somewhere. <laughs> you're going to sh- be mad at her. Cause she smoked some pot when you're, you're like coked up out of your mind. Yeah. So, um, in her continuing attempt to capital D do something about this, Eileen oh, is playing basketball with the school narc. That's like her yep. next move um, is to get the narcotics officer to play a little one-on-one with her instead of just sitting I in the office because she wanna wants to the, wear tiny shorts, I guess. Sure. No, well, yeah, for sure. I, I want to see the scene where she invites the narc out to watch her <laughs> play basketball like an asshole. Hey, uh, narc, you want to come play basketball? Can I wear my half shirt? Yeah. <laughs> if I can wear my tiny tiny shirts. Yeah. Yes. If I can (laughs) break them ankles, Eileen. (laughs) This is a this was this is like a late I know it's 1982, but this is like a late 70s. Like the man is wearing a half shirt, the woman is wearing tiny shorts. It is for his casual athletic competition in school gym. You know. Basically, she's like, "Look, here's what my uh, my research have has revealed that Ken is a dealer, the guy that runs Playland." And the narc's like, "Yeah, I know." This is your my job is what you're describing, and um, (laughs) he's a he's a minnow on the head, (laughs) right? She's like he's a minnow. Don't mess with him. If we if we catch him, then like that does nothing because he's barely you know like he's a very small fish, and the people that we really want are the people above him. And she's like, so you just let him run Playland and do whatever he wants, and then Mark's like, basically. Yeah. Hey, dummy, one of us knows about being a narc. The other one of us doesn't know anything about basketball. And <laughs> and it's just an amateur narc at this point. <laughs> it's real amateur narc up in here. <laughs> that is the least uh, live at the Apollo night, by the way. Amateur night? Amateur narc? Amateur narc. Um, Eileen no, Phillips, this makes amateur all narc. Sense. Everybody who talks to Eileen has such a good point, including this. He's like, look, I can go arrest Ken Barnes right now, Baines. I can go arrest Ken Baines right now. And I should, because his last name really tells me he's a bad guy. <laughs> right? Do that. There'll be another drug dealer tomorrow and nothing will change. And she's like, but do something. And he's like, I'm trying. <laughs> right. I'm here. The reason I am here is why it is at the level it is. I mean, if, you know, like we are, this is not as bad as it could be is basically what he's trying to tell yeah. her. And and you know what might also free up some time for narcotics agents and principals to do their job, not having to tell you, Eileen, what their job is all the fucking time. Also, like, have you helped a kid fill out a college application yet this year? Have you it's, done? We seriously. haven't seen you back in your office since the first day of school. As far You're as I'm everywhere concerned. everywhere but your office and you care about no kids but Scotty Cameron. So I'm taking this literally too, by the way. I'm, I'm sure she's like, 
she just turns everyone else away at her door. She's like, yeah, sorry. I only work for Scotty. I'm working on Scotty. And it's, we want him to be like, uh, let's talk about those of us who are doing our jobs and those of us who are not doing our jobs at this school. Um, you go do your job and let me continue to do mine. But uh, that's not good enough for her. She's no. very angry nothing, at the end of their one-on-one basketball game. Nothing is good enough for for Eileen. She's got um, bullshit. Come Look, on, Eileen. So now, <sighs> in case you thought that, in case you thought this movie was already off the rails, this mm-hmm. is the point at which the movie goes one hundred percent batshit crazy off the rails. Neither neither Scotty nor the movie are off the rails. If you know what I'm saying. No, they are still on Wait. the rails of cocaine. Wait. What? It's- I don't know. We go back to Playland. Yeah, why not? Julie's there. She won't leave. It's shutting down. It's closing time. Playland. She won't leave, and she offers Kenny sex for drugs because he doesn't have. She doesn't have any money, and he refuses. He's sick of her, whatever. And he hits her for good measure before locking her out of Playland. He's like, "I want my key back. Never come back to my apartment." And smacks her across the face and throws her out and locks her out. We've missed the the weird subplot that goes fucking nowhere here, which I guess is Big John. It changes. The star the star football player is named Big John in this scene. Later on, they're going to call him Big Al. And previously, (laughs) the pep rally, they were one hundred percent chanting Big Guy. I don't I don't understand why people can't fucking concentrate on this dude's name. Big Guy, Big John, Big Al, Big Dude. Who's right. playing pinball and he's like, hey man, let me play pinball for a while longer. Ken's like, you can stay if you buy some drugs. And Big John's like, all right. No, he says no thanks and he leaves. No, no, I mean that's what that's what I mean. He gives up. Yeah, he gives up. Pinball. He does, he doesn't want to buy drugs and he goes away. Um so, Big John you wants might to play think- pinball. This girl wants to screw Ken for drugs, and now Scotty is knocking on the door. Chelsea, Ken sure is dealing with a lot of stuff. <laughs> This is a sitcom. This is like a his three's Dealing. company. Dealing. Dealing. Yep. So <laughs> he he's kicking. He doesn't care about sex with Julie anymore. Whatever. He's kicking yeah. her out. Um, he takes no for an answer pretty easily when big guy is like, no, nah, I don't want to buy any drugs. He leaves. But then Scotty shows up and says, hey, Ken, stay away from Susan. And Ken's like, why would I do that? I don't have to do that. And he's like, I'm just telling you to stay away from Susan. And also, I am quitting using and also I am quitting dealing. And I, Chelsea, wrote, I'll believe that when I see it. Because also, Scotty has no interests besides Susan. He has no interest in anything besides... He's got an Eileen-like laser focus on drugs. (laughs) Drugs. Just on the other side of it. Um, And... What we don't know, but now realize, is that Eileen has been lying in wait outside Playland at closing time. She is sitting in her car, and she follows Kenny in his car. Um, he interacts with some teens outside of, like, a liquor store and grocery store. Do you store. know where this is? Where it is? Delicatessen Liquor. I, I figured it out. I knew it the second I saw it. This is the old liquor store in Hillhurst, just down the street from where you live. That became, like, a bank... Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly where that is. Delicatessen <laughs> liquor. I was like, and here's what I have to say about delicatessen liquor. It looks creepier <laughs> than when it was completely abandoned. Like it looks like the skeeziest joint in town. And I when I first moved here, that place was like hollowed out. And it looked like way more inviting back then. And uh, yeah, so Eileen watches uh, somebody be uh, is bid drug dealt in the uh, in the parking lot by Ken. Right. 
Right. And she keeps after him. So then she just follows him to his apartment, which seems super safe. Um, yeah. It's an apartment full of neon and guns, as we've established. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't even get inside before she just accosts him. She's like, I'm Eileen. And he's like, oh, fuck, I've heard of you. Um, yeah. And then he's a real nihilist. So she's like, you got to stop dealing, dealing drugs to kids. And he's like, you're one person who doesn't want me to deal drugs. I'm one person who does want to deal drugs. It's the biggest game in America. What Cancels can we each other do? Out. Yeah. Here's my, my fucking favorite thing. Eileen is like, hey, listen, I understand you're in kind of a tough spot as a drug dealer. Can't you just tell on the bigger drug dealers? Has anybody thought about doing that? And I'm like, Eileen, No. <laughs> You're, and he's like, have you seen The Wire by any chance? Yeah, he's like, do you understand anything about <laughs> drugs? <laughs> or and pyramid schemes? Business? Or dealing? It's just the dumbest thing. It's yeah. like, have you ever thought about, I don't know, not selling drugs? Do you it's think like, they'd Eileen, be mad? Like, if you told them, you think they might be, like, slightly mad at you? Or just tell the police about it. This sounds like a police matter to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ken so, Baines. This is the thing. this is the storytelling thing at this point because as much as i love to rag on this i am always trying to track like this the journey the hero's fucking journey so they've set him up as her antagonist Mm. but he is a terrible antagonist for her because he does not care and she cares so much He truly does not know he's her antagonist. Like, this is a one-way relationship where she is waging a war against drugs, but you can't wage a war against, like, a sort of amorphous, nebulous, large societal concern. It has to be represented by a character. So they've represented drugs, um, capital, all caps, drugs, with this Mm. guy, Ken, who fucking could care less could not care less and i just kind of like you the the storytelling 101 is have your antagonist and your protagonist evenly matched and not only does he not know he's the antagonist in this fight he doesn't fucking care when she shows up and tells him doesn't at all and this is i'm gonna get you and he's like what no No. you probably won't though guidance (laughs) counselor lady not I'm not going to worry about this. I'm so relaxed. I haven't noticed the dead fucking body in my apartment this, yet. I wrote in all caps, holy, holy fuck, I didn't remember this part. So oh, this is, um, I'm sorry, we should have said at the beginning of the episode, uh, trigger warning, this uh, this part deals with someone who has um, died by suicide. Yes. We have, we're, we're now in Ken's apartment fully, like they've gone inside, she's followed him into his apartment. Which, before, don't do that. Don't, don't. Uh, confront the drug deal and then follow him into the apartment. She, she, Eileen, turns and sees before Ken does that Julie has taken her life with with his gun in the apartment. She's lying dead on the floor. Um, She's let herself in with the key that he was demanding back and is so wrecked over either her coke withdrawals or the fact that he doesn't want to have sex with her anymore or a combination of the two she has um she has died by suicide you know what the the main cause of death here is what life life desperation yes this is the way that a desperate life could end yeah had you a desperate life you don't believe what rick springfield's trying to tell you well i don't know who else you could listen to so that they're freaking out 
of course, the both of them are like, oh my God, uh, Julie. We're in know, a murder scene. Well, yeah, we're, here we we're, are. Yeah, we didn't expect a, this at, when we were dead. And Eileen has to be like, this is the second time I have not noticed this person <laughs> this dead. Specific person dead. <laughs> this is the second time <laughs> you've been around this person and they have been dead. Eileen, you're not. Fill out a college application for somebody. Just Angela Lansbury here. So yeah. the next day, the very, I hate to skip over this part, but it happens in 30 seconds. Like they spend no, no the time. Death? Yeah. Yes. They spend yeah. no time on this. They're like, the, oh, look. Yeah. Oh, look, it. a desperate life ended. <laughs> next day at swim practice, next day at swim practice, the kids mm-hmm. are talking about it and also talking about how like Ken is, uh, like she was Ken's alibi. So I would love to know what that conversation with the police was That's like. Fucking amazing, by the way. <laughs> they were like, Eat it, Eileen. <laughs> you fucking saved a drug dealer's life. You the police me. show up at the apartment. They find a girl who's dead. They're like, "Whose gun is this?" He says, "That's mine." They're like, "Oh, you killed her." And and Eileen's like, "No, he was with me." What's your relationship? Well, we just met. I was stalking him because he's dealing drugs to high school kids, and I was trying to get him forced to stop. my way into this apartment. You know what would have <laughs> what happened? What was that conversation with the cops? You know what would have happened? What what movie would have happened, Eileen? If you hadn't showed up, it would have been uh, uh, Ken calling the police and the police being like, "Hey, Ken, you're in kind of a tough spot. You probably want to t- turn on those other drug dealers to get immunity for this." <laughs> and then the movie's over, Eileen. And like Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark, it all worked out because you didn't do anything. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, if only. If only she weren't so desperate. Um, so, if only she had a life. If only she had a fucking life. Okay, right. so we're at swim class or practice or whatever it is the next day. And Scott's just getting it from all sides. Susan says, lay off me about my new doping ways. Go shit in your hat and <laughs> put it on your horse's head or whatever. And Eileen then comes after him and is like, I know you deal and I care. And then he's about to storm off and do his storming off bit, but he turns around when she says, get a new counselor. I've had it with you. And I want to be like, you found one of your students dead last night in a drug dealer's apartment. Take a day off. For the second time. Take a day off. Yeah. Like, Scott says that he's handling. This is where he says he's oh, handling. Handl- I'm handling it. And I can she handle says, your handling makes me ill. Get a counselor that's okay with your using. I can't handle it. It's like, all right, see here. Last episode, I talked about when I'm in a confrontation, like how useless I am. <laughs> this is how useless I am. That I'll say stupid shit like this. That conversation with the wrestler dude yeah. from the Airborne, <laughs> old stolen Valor McGee there. That ended with me going, all right, well, you have a nice day and wear a mask, Okay. That's it. That's as cool as I was. I didn't make a wrestling joke. I didn't uh, antagonize him anymore. I was just like, have a good day. Bye. That'll learn him. Kill him with manners. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just not- a shame that you're a nice person. Like that. That is the problem. That is the, <laughs> problem. the problem. So, yeah. So, and then the threat of her removing her counselorship somehow turns him around and he's like look i stopped dealing but i can't stop using because i need something to get me away from all the crap and i'm like you stopped dealing what last night in the parking lot when you told ken you didn't want to deal anymore like that that was you've been clean you've been not dealing for six hours ken's got a lot of heat on him right now you can (laughs) deal if you wanted to right well here's my my point about eileen maybe being the villain of this this piece 
like everybody identifies the fact that Scott's big problem is that he's under too much pressure. And constantly throughout this thing, he's like, I got school. I have my parents. I he have tells us. This. We never see it. We never see any of this pressure. No, I, he just, just lists it for us. White suburban kid. I, I get it. it. Yeah, life's pretty tough. Uh, yep. Super hard uh, for you. When I'm singing along to rap songs, do I say the N word? Right, oh, I'm right. sorry, white suburban kid. What a tough life. Yeah, in 1982, uh, that's not even part of his stress. It's not, not quite a question. Um, but here's the point is. The, the entire thing is I'm under so much pressure. I'm under pressure. Everybody identifies the fact that Scott is turning to drugs because he's under so much pressure and that high school is a difficult time. What is Eileen's main uh, um, plan of attack is just laser focus on Scott and turn him into the only thing that will make her feel as though she's done a good job and, you know, right. make her feel worthwhile. So her answer to getting Scott off of drugs is putting an enormous world of pressure on him in addition to right. what he's already dealing with and never letting him forget for a second that she's on top of him, like trying to, she's always disappointed in him. Yes. And, and here are her suggestions when he starts to cry and he's like, I got to get away from all the crap. Her advice, try a book, try a movie. Remember bicycling? Try Susan. And I wrote, try fucking therapy because yeah. all of the things that you are listing are just more temporary distractions. Yes, they're not chemically habit forming, right. but he's saying, I have all this pressure on me. And she's like, have you tried distracting yourself this way or this way? Are outsourcing your uh, the, the responsibility for your happiness to this blonde girl that you've just met? It's yeah. like what all of the things you're listing are not dealing with. None of this is dealing like he if he tries a fucking book, the his problems will be there when he finishes the book. Yeah. It's just this little exchange is so indicative to me of the fact that like no one who was trying to fight the war on drugs had any idea no. who their opponent was. That which is a huge problem in this movie. Nobody's got a solution other than don't do drugs or you jump out a window. Also, uh, a quick note, Eileen, that fucking why don't you get hooked on Susan thing is real oh, creepy. So Why don't creepy. you find some sort of dependence or a, a codependence as it were on Susan? Right. It's like that's, so that's then not if you, if Susan Susan's ever breaks term. up with you and then yeah. you do a line of Coke, then we can blame Susan. Um, yeah. Because this is her responsibility somehow. Yeah. See, Eileen at this point is trying for like a technical victory. Like she'll take, <laughs> she'll take like any win possible. Like, can I go for a tie here? Yeah. Right, he's hooked on a girl, but it's not my problem anymore. No. So time for another classic Scott Cameron storm off. He is dripping wet in a speedo, but this is still a good time for him to storm off. And for yeah. us to cut to a faculty meeting now. This is bonker balls, I, I, man. I would like to bring up the fact that. In what you may read about this movie online and on the back of the DVD, they make a whole lot of the fact that Dr. Joyce Brothers is in this movie. It's a I did not read the back of the DVD. selling point that Dr. Joyce Brothers has an acting role in this movie. So I'm thinking, Dr. Joyce Brothers in a movie about keeping kids off of drugs, she's going to be playing like a, like a school therapist. Like she's a famous she's psychologist. She's a, a fucking mentor. She she's, will be a mentor to have a meeting with, as it were. She's an advice columnist. She's a psychologist. She's going to show up at the at the school assembly at the end where they all voice yeah. their feelings. And she's 82, gonna, this is the height of her power. Something. Yeah. You know what she is? She's the fucking band instructor. In kind this, of an asshole. We cut, so she, <laughs> we, 
We cut to a faculty meeting. Eileen brings up Julie's death and says they have to do something about the elephant standing in the middle of the room. This room, which and is she's the only one just standing there, by terrible. The way, so. <laughs> Everybody's like as tired as I am of hearing from Eileen. <laughs> oh by my the way. god! It's I just, just I every teacher in the school going else. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, Eileen, not again. Yes, Eileen, this this student died tragically. What would you have us do right now in this faculty meeting about here's that? The, the fucking thing is, Chelsea, they say exactly that. They're like, we get it, Eileen. <laughs> we understand that it's a problem. We've been saying it's a problem. The fucking shitty math teacher or the, the other shitty counselor, somebody says, we need a plan of attack. You know, we need to figure out how to do something. It's the math teacher because he's still trying to bone her. Truly. And Eileen's answer to that is people are dying. It's like, girl, (laughs) somebody asked for like a solid, what do we do? You can't just respond with yelling even louder. What do we do? It's not. Right. And so Dr. Joyce says, uh, we're, we're running late. Can we, can, we get, can we move it along? Right. And then she's like, I want to talk about band uniforms. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and she has two lines and she's talking about band uniforms. And then they do the thing where they like fade down her audio and mm-hmm. zoom in on Eileen's face. Like, can you imagine that this is what the faculty meeting has pivoted to? Band uniforms when Eileen Nobody's is sitting here. Life or death stakes. I feel like, oh man, I feel like I'm on goofballs and yellow jackets uh and then the faculty meeting's over and we never see dr joyce brothers again that, that is it. the extent hope you enjoyed of that. her involvement we talked about her longer than she was on <laughs> this the, is not like someone's early career where they have a scene in a movie and then later somebody really talks up that they're in this movie because later they got super famous and won an oscar this mm. is dr joyce brothers at the height of her dr joyce brothering yeah and- you were thinking of helen hunt a moment ago <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah this is this is bonkers, especially to play. It's what I always get confused when, like, uh, pundits on like a Marvel movie will be arguing against the Avengers. I'm like, you know, that makes you the bad guy, right? <laughs> Bill, what was his name? Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly in in the first Iron Man movie is like, this Iron Man's a menace, and I'm like. <laughs> It's not like Iron Man, some new thing that you haven't heard of, Bill O'Reilly. You're clearly being the shithead. Okay, fine. All right, right. You okay, ahead. fine. You don't care. If they give you money. That's nice for you. That's good. So, yeah, Dr. Joyce Brothers out into that. Um, and oh, now, and then the parking lot. Yes, now the we're parking in the lot. parking lot. And the music that is playing Yo, makes seriously? me think. It really made me think Eileen might be about to kill all of her coworkers. I the same thing. I was like, she's gonna murder somebody right now. She is a real Jason or a Michael Myers because it is a poorly lit thing. We're 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 looking like at a bit of a distance, and then like Eileen walks into the front of the frame, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, she's gonna it's murder night. People. The parking lot's dark and somewhat abandoned, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So now the we this is dramatic. our villain origin story. She's like the mm. anti Batman. She saw corruption all around her and decided like. Fuck it. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Some guidance counselors just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> so she walks up to Dr. Jarvis, the principal, and the principal tells her, in a, don't worry, this will never come back, to be careful because the school board doesn't like that she's making waves right before their next election. Yeah. And her job's now on the line. But he makes it sound like the members of the school board may take a hit out on her or something. It was, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote down, I was writing down the quote. 
be careful, Serpico. I mean, Eileen, <laughs> your job is on the line. It was real dramatic. It was some real like, hey, you got to watch where you stick yeah. in your nose. Like now the stakes are life or death for you if you don't shut up about this, really which was. would maybe have made for a more interesting movie, except we're never coming back to this plot. That point. is that is a movie with Tom Berenger called The Substitute. And go check that out because he has a lot better take on what to do about drug dealers than this. <laughs> <laughs> it's murder them all. Well, don't uh, worry, because we're never coming back to this plot plot point about the school board ever or her job being online no, ever no, again. No, no. no uh, just so long as Eileen doesn't do anything uh, uh, out of line or destructive or endangering, I'm sure that will never come up. So it's Thanksgiving no. now. Yeah, now it's Thanksgiving uh, at the Cameron home featuring grandparents, uh, dad, mom, Sandy and two casts with a black eye and scars all over her face. And Scott oh blitzed out of his mind on something. Straight up. And everybody is <laughs> shitting right on top of Scott's <laughs> fucking head. It's so bad that Helen Hunt, recovering angel dust victim <laughs> Helen Hunt, is saying, hey, guys, why don't you leave Scotty alone? Lay why off. I could probably take some pressure. I'm still recovering from my <laughs> angel dust judo accident. And my favorite fucking thing in the world is like mom is like hey son why don't you talk to us more and dad's like why don't you go play football again won't that do it and and scott's all drugged out dad says why don't you just suck it up do they say that in swimming suck it up suck it up. <laughs> yes. and scott He's belly like- flops his face into <laughs> his fucking dinner He's like, I don't feel well. I think I'm going to go upstairs. And his dad's like, suck it up. And then he just suck it up. Plop. passes out in his Thanksgiving dinner. And good move there. Sandy takes him upstairs. Part of me was like, next time, I don't want to be talking about whatever we're talking about at the dinner table. I'm just going to fucking pass out. Just yeah, do a face plant into your food. It gets you, it's like a get out of jail seems... free card. And here's the thing. According to this movie, once that happens, everybody pretends like nothing went wrong and just <laughs> continues to eat in silence. Yep. So it's uh, so just, you know, hey, if you're going home and it's going to be a, a weird conversation with some of your parents and family members, just dive right into that fucking plate. <laughs> just take one for the team. So Pretend you're on goofballs. <laughs> so Eileen and lawyer Stan are on some sort of picnic, Thanksgiving picnic date. And once again, she's fucking ruining it because she can't talk about or think about or fixate on anything except for kids specifically scott cameron and uh, the drugs and so he's like i think i love you but i can't say that for sure until i see some other sides and i'm straight like, up dude there are no other sides she is the most <laughs> one-dimensional Eileen, character you snagged a dude with this fucking line of horse shit <laughs> latch on it is right? not gonna get any better than this no, real Ryan O'Neill is not coming along anytime soon. <laughs> she is the biggest fucking downer. She's like, I won't say I'm sorry because this is important, but you're important. And I'm like, no, you have mm. no, you have no ground to stand on. You make no time for this dude. We don't, we know more about his interests than we know about yeah. anything about you. He's what? kind of my hero in this movie <laughs> just for having put up with so much shit. He's a lawyer He's who can fix so cars. Shit. That's two things we know about him. That's one more thing that 
everything we know about you. Like, I don't, you are the biggest fucking downer. This looks like the worst Thanksgiving picnic ever. Thank God we now cut away to Sandy screaming at Scott on the sidewalk in front of their house. Well, not screaming because she doesn't, Helen Hunt's character is pretty subdued, but she's very mad and she's like, you're stoned every day and now two lewds, which I fucking love. (laughs) By the way, that's a jump. (laughs) You've been smoking pot. I love this. You've been smoking pot two, three times a day and then you took two quaaludes. I'm like, hold up. We don't need to talk about half of this. You can concentrate on those two quaaludes because as far as you get them, Hugh Hefner, like, yeah, quaaludes. You working for the Wolf of Wall Street, Scotty? Roofing yourself, fucking ludes. So then, Scotty, you know, because uh, he's a caring brother, he asks his angel dust crippled sister if she has any drugs to spare. While he's on two quaaludes. No, you're good until the 90s, homie. You ain't need to take no more drugs until the 90s. Two quaaludes is two quaaludes too many. Oh my God. It's quaaludicrous, girl. Uh, it is. It's ridiculous. Uh, so he... Quay ludicrous! Quay ludicrous. Sandy tells him to clean up, and so he pushes her over. No, what she says is... Oh, no. He says, let it be. And she says, let it be bull. Which, again, what the fuck is this dialogue? I've got scars. I'm never going to walk right again. So he throws his crippled sister on the ground and storms off his, again, only mode of communication... And, and I Helen just want Hunt, Oscar winner Helen Hunt. <laughs> Please, by all not, means. Not go for ahead. this, by the way. Uh, not for this. Well, but yes. Still time. The seeds are there. Um, so then he storms off and he skateboards away. Uh, th- this kid who couldn't manage to sit up straight at the table yeah. uh, is going to go skateboarding down a, a public sidewalk. And Susan, who drives, apparently, uh, huh? s- sees Scotty skateboarding and honks at him. And oh, we've, like, we've missed it. We missed Sandy oh. on the ground yelling after her her his storming away brother. Tell me to shut up, bitch, now, Scotty. Oh. <laughs> Tell me to <laughs> shut up, bitch, now. You just... You, you, I mean, the shoving you, you down onto yourself. the ground was kind of those words in action. Right. You also don't have to... You don't have to... He doesn't have to insult you when you're insulting yourself yeah. at high volume. How about that? Yeah, so Susan picks up Scotty, and she's like, let's go to Playland. And he's like, uh, it's closed. Let's go to the mountains. Remember the last time we went to the mountains and did some off-road stuff? Uh, that's real romantic. We're going to revisit that. Absolutely. So, and who, you know, you live in L.A., so do I. How many times a day are you like, let's, let's go, go to the mountains. mountains? It's a very quick trip. Um, let's drive the 10 when, hours it'll when take. there are zero other cars on the road as there are for this entire drive. We don't Doesn't see a matter. single other once, car. Well, once you get there, you'll get to drive for another couple minutes and then turn around and go back. Yeah, it's, it's fucking fun. It's great. Boy, Los so, Angeles. Of course, she's got angel dust in the glove compartment, and he loves that, even though his sister is lying in their yard right now as an after yeah. effect of angel dust. Yeah. He's got weed, and she's like, let's cop a super rush. Fucking two great tastes that taste great together, Scotty. And then she says, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. You got angel (laughs) dust in my weed. And then he's like, I don't know about the angel dust vis-a-vis my sister and that whole thing. And she says, come on, pansy. This is clean. 
once again talking like a roller coaster mobster. Roller coaster mobster. And so what she wants him to do is roll them a joint that is weed laced with PCP. And they're in there. They're not even going to pull over. They're just going to smoke no. this while driving. And I'm like, you are already driving while 15. You are yeah. already a danger to yourself and others. For you this are is also sh- the 80s, so that car cannot withstand anything. Ralph oh. Nader has not made his. <laughs> also, but I need to interrupt you. The way she qualifies that this angel dust is better than the one that you know crippled his sister for life is Susan says her brother ripped it off a veterinarian. It's got to be the best. Yeah. A vet, you know, known PCP suppliers. Also, you speaking know. of suppliers, remember our antagonist for the whole movie? Remember mm-hmm. Ken, who's sleeping with girls yep. and fucking up kids and corrupting the youth and running Playland like the Wicked Witch and Hansel and Gretel? Um, the cops got him. Yeah. End of Ken. We won't see yep. him again. That's it. He, he, big, Al, big Al slash guy slash John got ripped off or something, and then that somehow, okay. He stole you know a TV what? from his parents. I'm, I don't remember. All I fell I asleep trying like, to remember it. The I, cops I, I, got Ken. He's, why the fuck didn't we see that? Like, he's the antagonist, so we need right. to see what happens to his character arc. And oh. secondly, in a movie about how drugs are bad, you're not going to show the arrest of the drug dealer? This yeah. is like the thing that makes your point. And if your movie is about how we need to get rid of this one drug dealer who's the the central problem, so much so that a guidance counselor has to use spycraft on him. Fucking <laughs> the next breath is Susan saying, yeah, there's a new drug dealer named Jack. He's an A-grade man. Done. I'm just like, what the, f- what the fuck? What and the actual fuck? Like, where the- where is the scene of the antagonist being defeated? Where is the scene of the bad guy going to jail for selling drugs? These things seem critical to the structure of this movie. And they are just yeah. explained with a line of exposition in a, in a car while we're doing something else. And dear listener, I hope you're still in the mood to be outraged. Because then Scotty's done rolling two fucking <laughs> angel dust joints. <laughs> Two of them. I've never done angel dust before, but I want to make sure we each get our own angel <laughs> dust. I don't want your spit joint germs, uh, which is actually funny because then they get super fucking high and they're talking about nothing. They're talking about literally spit for yeah. a long time. And I, it's just really boring for two people who are super fucked up. They're on a super windy road. It's like the, the coastal highway. Um, yeah. She's only 15 to begin with. So, of course, they go straight through a curve and over a cliff. And Susan yells, wee, and the car smashes at the bottom of the cliff. And, oh, by the way, the antagonist is gone. So, like, what is the rest of the movie? Because we got time left. So, I'm like, all right. So, we we go over a cliff. Once again. The innermost cave, not the innermost cave. No, we're still not at the innermost cave. And it's like, okay, so you thought. You thought Helen Hunt jumping out a window was a was the button to end on? No, no. Mm-mm. You thought going over a, two kids going over a cliff in a car was a button to end on? No, no. no. We've got more to do here. We've got more ground to cover, even though our antagonist is in jail and we won't see him again. Here's the thing, Eileen. If you had spent this entire movie just saying, "Hey, kids, I don't care what the fuck you do in this life. Do not take angel dust and drive in the mountains." <laughs> Like, as long as she had just driven that one point home, which 
these kids seem oblivious to the idea of taking angel dust and driving through the mountains, which seems so secondhand, obviously stupid to me. Clearly, Eileen, you are overestimating everybody. Bring it back to, you know, the basics. Right. No angel dust in mountain driving. Yeah, exactly. Like the, at a minimum. So, uh, jury still out on whether to throw your fishing poles in the water or not. <laughs> right. But one right. thing I do know. Uh, so we cut to a hospital and it's raining. So that's sort of a miracle in and of itself in California. Sure. So Scott is in restraints, catatonic, not talking, not a scratch on him though. Like not banged up. No, he's fine. Gone over. He's just kind of staring. Eileen has brought him an inspirational poster that he hates hates so much that he tries to claw his way out of the restraints. This was ridiculous. (laughs) All right. So she brings in flowers and like she's going to put them in his water jug and she's like, maybe they'll flower the water and make it like you're drinking a rainbow. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The parents love this, though. The parents eat this up. Yeah, and then she's like, I've brought you something to stimulate goal orientation and unfurls this Mark Spitz cheesecake (laughs) poster, y'all. I was like, oh, wait a second. It's got like nine gold medals on or seven gold medals or however many gold medals. And it is bare chest Speedo Mark Spitz, (laughs) y'all. And it's basically, she's like, maybe you could just win one gold medal. All of these gold medals. This is kind of extensive. And he has such, he has like a bad concussion and little blood clots in his brain. And he still yeah. hates this poster so much that he tries to claw his way out of his restraints that are tied <laughs> into the I tried to claw my way out of my restraints when this poster <laughs> came out. I was like, oh, this is not the party I signed up for. So they, they go out in the hall and his parents are really beating themselves up. Um, they're like, what could we have done? And she says, you know, you can always call me. Scott's a really good boy and they're like that's why I'm here and I want to be like yeah she's the he's the only boy she cares about he's yeah. the only and person he cares about she cares about zero applicable advice you can <laughs> call me and when you call me I'll tell you that you have to do something don't know what that is right right oh later the advice will be talk to them we have to talk to them like everybody's not talking to these kids nonstop through this entire movie about I drugs. I posit that Eileen's talking to Scott is what killed Susan. <laughs> <laughs> there, I said it. It didn't help. Clearly didn't help. It, no. It made somebody be like, oh, I need to take a break and do some angel dust in the mountains. So now it's Christmas time all of a sudden. Um, yeah. Eileen arrives at the Cameron home carrying school books. She goes up to Scott's room. It's two weeks later. He still doesn't know what happened. He's reading an omnibus of fairy tales, which sounds like the saddest fucking thing right? in the world. She has all his schoolwork from his teachers. Yep. I am now like, how did they fucking find those kids? Like the bottom of a ravine in the mountains. It makes no sense. And and <laughs> so nobody's told Scotty what happened not even in like a broad sense like right. nobody clearly nobody said you were in an automobile accident with a girl and she is dead like right. no parts of those and we, have the come audience up. don't know that she's dead yet because everybody's right. keeping it from him so they're also keeping it from us which is really frustrating to me because i don't know what the big secret is because he and doesn't have a scratch on him yeah maybe she, maybe susan's <laughs> great maybe susan just like kept driving maybe her parents took like moved her away somewhere could be so but, uh, he's so, begging he's begging yeah. eileen tell me what happened and she so basically on, says eileen. you can't handle the truth basically but she says when the time is right your memory will tell you and i'm like based on what scientific like what Joe, this is what are you talking is, about? again one of my my favorite 
uh, aspects of, of any of these things that we've ever talked about is a fundamental misunderstanding of how to treat trauma. Yeah. She yep. says, yep. God has a way of blocking things out in our minds so we don't play them over and over again. And then he says, they want me to see a shrink. And everybody looks at him like he's a fucking leper. And I'm like, past time, past time yeah. for you to be talking Shh. to somebody. That's that not her. Been, yeah. You know, counselors just sort of a phrase they throw around. Right. This is about guidance. scholarship applications. She is not yeah. a mental health professional. So, guidance isn't a blanket term. <laughs> right. Uh, Scott can't remember what happened. Um, and... Eileen goes back downstairs and breaks it to Diane Ladd that her son was heavily into drugs, which apparently somehow Diane Ladd did not know or make the connection. And she's like, what did we do? And Eileen says, maybe it's what we don't do, what we don't say. We have to risk losing their love. We have to talk to them. And I'm like, all you do is talk to these kids. All you do is talk to them. It doesn't help. They hate you. You're not qualified. His parents tried to talk to him, like talking at kids. This is not a case of like these kids are so lonely if only their parents paid attention to them. That's like not, that was never the problem. No. You have a solution to not this problem. So of course, Scott wakes up screaming in the middle of the night. The memory of the accident has come rushing back to him violently. He's screaming, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. The whole family rushes into his room. He starts destroying property, throws his desk chair out the window. I think he's possessed? I think what has happened now is he is possessed by a a demon. I think there was a better way to do this. That with some careful psychological planning, you maybe could have at least prevented the broken window. (laughs) Right. The broken brain. Like his mind is broken is what has happened. Paramedics are called. He's hauled away in an ambulance against his will. And again, to go back to the schluck mania, um, recap or like review of this movie, they Mm -hmm. said, uh, Hunter is passionate about his message, but so woefully out of touch with the realities of his subject matter that the proceedings instantly devolve into camp hilarity. He also goes for the sledgehammer melodrama whenever possible, which doesn't Mm. help his cause. Every argument becomes a shouting match, and quiet ODs are avoided in favor of extended shriek-heavy freakouts. Which is true. We never see someone just like do too many drugs and slump down with a needle sticking out of their arm. It has to be a complete psychotic break, not 100%. even brought on by drugs, but just we're meant to believe that like his brain is such Swiss cheese at this point that like the re- the revived memory yeah. of Susan's death Which, breaks it completely. No, I'm sorry. That's just kind of what happens when you, you know, re- you know, when you have a brain injury and you, you know, don't, you can't, I'm sorry, maybe somebody should have told him. Maybe he right. could have dealt with this if he hadn't had a horrifying nightmare, nightmare. in the middle of the night. Yes. And they take him to the freak wharf or the loony bin. <laughs> and like- The booby hatch. As they're, as they're pulling away, the orderly or whoever's in the back of this ambulance is like, uh, you can come visit him. He'll be in the violent ward. The violent ward. Yes. The word like, violent, oh. the term violent ward comes up later too. And I'm like, that can't be what- they actually they, call they it. They said it twice. And I one of them was a the real term. professional doctor person. Orderly so. person. Okay, so now we're finally approaching the inmost cave. Yep. We're at school. Where local failure Irene Phillips <laughs> is thinking about her life. Come on, Eileen. She's staring at her office window. I think it's raining again, inexplicably. She's staring yeah. at her office window. We're playing 
everything ever, anyone has ever said to her since this movie started. We are treated to a, an audio montage of just things that she has heard yeah. for like five minutes. It's just her staring out a window while we hear things characters have said to her. And then some new things that no one has ever said to her that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, there's a couple like new lines Scott's in Scott's parents being like, leave us alone stop <laughs> coming around here <laughs> i think she just assumed that they would have said that to her this is my favorite part of the fucking entire movie it's not this blunt but the other counselor comes in he's like hey the holiday party's going on hey by the way thank goodness you took scott off my hands i don't have to carry around that loss you chump yes and then he's like whoops did i say something wrong i'm like that is the shadiest shit I've ever heard. He's like, remember when you wanted to be that kid's counselor? Yeah. yeah that loser could have been on my hands. Wow. Instead of the have several hundred other kids that I have helped when you have ignored the rest of your, your uh, student caseload. So he could have just come in and said, look, you've been on Scott. You lost. <laughs> you backed the wrong kid. So she starts crying because she knows there's so much more to be done. And then she goes full vigilante. Um, Look, there's a she Christmas. She looks outside and there is gasoline and a lawnmower and a rope. And I'm like, oh shit, it is not too late, movie. It's not too late to turn this all around and be the best nope. thing ever made. She has, seen, she has seen the gasoline and the time has come to capital D do something. So there's a Christmas assembly. Well, capital D do something illegal. Go ahead. <laughs> there's a Christmas assembly going on, uh, which is convenient because everyone, all the students and the teachers, are all in the gym attending mm. this thing. Uh, and she is decided to single-handedly conduct a locker raid, removing drugs and drug paraphernalia from as many lockers as she feels like going through. She's got some sort of master janitor's key and she's Here's... opening up every locker. And actually, this was a thing that at my high school got done sometimes and everybody just knew. Really? Oh yeah, everybody just knew that there could be random locker raids. Huh. So people didn't keep shit in their lockers. Hey. I don't think I, yeah, I didn't have anything to uh, explicit or anything like that, but Still, and I think there has to be some sort of police involvement if you're going to do this, though. I don't either. That at our school, it was just sort of like you understand by having this locker, which is on our property, and this locker is also our property, that we can open it anytime we want. So Um, she ends up finding, as I put it, a record store's worth of bongs (laughs) and a scot full of marijuana. Yes, so this is Eileen versus Drugs, the final showdown, because Ken yeah. is gone, ambivalence oh, can't down. be defeated in such a way. So no. she's got to avail herself of the only antagonist left, which is like a bunch of odds and ends that she finds in lockers that represent drugs. She's actually, she couldn't stop the dealers. She couldn't stop the victims. So she's actually attacking the drugs. The drugs themselves. <laughs> it's her private war on drugs. So now we come to the Supreme Ordeal. The innermost gym uh, is where we're <laughs> And it bears noting because we are in a confined space yep. full of children yep. where the floor is made out of wood. Yep. Ventilation is probably not the best. There's a large Christmas tree, which is basically kindling. 100%. So she wheels. She this is like, the 80s, so exits are kind of sketchy. This is suggestions. This so she's got a cart full. It's one of those like AV carts. <laughs> She's got a cart full of drugs. She wheels it directly in front of the choir, the Christmas assembly, dumps gasoline on it, and she lights that motherfucker up. Like she just drops a match. And then because she now has everyone's attention. Yep. She goes into her, I think what was supposed to maybe get her an Emmy monologue 
She oh. starts recounting the names and modes of death or violence the students have witnessed this a year. Specific placement. It's on the rug. Yeah. It's over there. It's like a game of Clue that she is hashing out at the end. <laughs> Sandy. Turns out the drugs were the killer the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Sandy. Julie. Susan. Scotty. It should be pointed out that Susan has to sit here and listen to this like the rest of them are not there. Yeah. How many of you have dead grades? How many of you have maimed relationships? Her speech is very impassioned. She's crying. Some kids are crying. Other teachers are rolling their eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> so is Andy, by the way. <laughs> Where is the hope? Where is the answer? And I wrote, this woman has truly lost her mind. Like, does she truly. have any outlets? She should be talking to someone. Like, yeah. she has clearly decided to take the internalize the entire war on drugs. And she she can't cope. Like, she's she's lit something on fire. She's she's not she's not she is not okay. The can full of gas is three feet from the <laughs> raging fire of drugs. Also, quick tip, Eileen, if you really want to make this an impactful moment, you need to call out that these are their drugs right away. Right, right. They don't these are your drugs. <laughs> I found You'll them. Get a response. Yeah. Yeah. She mentions oh, it later on. Yes. Like, so, by the way, these are your drugs. And I really expected an uproar. People are like, what? <laughs> the fuck? Those are my private drugs. So she says at the end, she, she sums it up with like, where's the answer? Where's the hope? She sums it up at the end with, you are the real hope. You are the answer. The kids look confused, especially Steve. <laughs> I wrote I wrote slow clap, more like no clap. <laughs> oh, someone does start a slow clap. Eventually. It's that one girl that we know doesn't do drugs who appeared, rule of threes, in the we bathroom. Could tell she has a lot of energy to do the clapping. <laughs> Called Steve a jerk, and now she starts a slow clap. She doesn't have a name, but we may know more about her than we actually know about True. Eileen. But um, it's Steve. Steve's our big hero in this moment, I guess. Yeah, I guess. He, so this is reward consequences. One. That okay, was fair. the supreme ordeal that was Eileen versus drugs. Drugs lose. They died in a fire. Hey, um, hey here's, a, here's a hot take. Eileen's the supreme ordeal. Am I right? Oh, my God. This whole Steve movie. thinks about it. You can see the clockwork of his mind, you know, heavily, uh, you know, clogged up with, with clogged pot up, yeah. resin. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's blank. Uh, it smells like a backstage yeah. at a Stones concert. Breaking uh, Steve over here walks up and he throws, <laughs> some, <laughs> throws some drugs on the Better fire. Better call Steve. <laughs> And who's next? Big John Alman. <laughs> Big guy. <laughs> Big guy man John. And he throws away drugs even though he just got ripped off for, for drugs. drugs. Somehow no. something got kin arrested somehow. And then the that girl who doesn't use drugs, the only person that we know doesn't use drugs, starts a standing ovation that yeah. finally reaches Dr. Jarvis, the principal, who decides he's also going to stand up and clap. And Eileen raises her arms like she's won a fucking football game. True. And I'm just like... I cannot imagine that anything at this high school actually changes at this point. Am I that cynical? Maybe. Yeah. But I also am like the, the, the one you, you have made yourself an avatar for justice and Scott an avatar for all drugs and all kids. You haven't talked to any of these other kids no. about anything that they are going you through. Are some you just yell at them. Just endangered all the children with an out of control drug fire, which is, 
uh, half noxious plastic fumes and half drugs <laughs> yes. that are burning. Yes, everyone's in an inhaling space. drug fumes at this point. Yeah. Everyone's that's why they're they're all hallucinating. They've all they're got like, contact ties. Hey, uh, we're all splitting our drugs, I guess, man. Also, it's worth noting, uh, Eileen, you pinned all of your hopes on Scott, and Scott failed, so you are still a failure. This does nothing for you. When the the ultimate question that we ask on this podcast, would you show this to kids to keep them off PCP today? I'm just yeah. like. I don't know anything about drugs after watching this whole movie. Yeah. I don't, I didn't learn anything useful about how they would negatively affect me. I just got a bunch of kids screaming and crying and like jumping out of windows. And I, it, it, and there's just zero. nothing to latch onto in terms of like help helpfulness. Yeah. And the, the, the main, the hero of this, her mission seems to be to put more undue pressure on children and then violate their private space, endanger them, burn drugs, and never offer a single solid solution for anything. Yeah, and she she goes from being like, if I can't save all the kids, I'll just try to save Scotty. Oh, Scotty is in the booby hatch. I'll try to save all the kids again at the last minute, and it works. I'm at the end of my rope, I'll no, act no, no. like a real drugged out maniac right yeah, now. It no, does, no, no. Know that this. if this this happened, and also yeah, it would be talked about forever. People would be laughing. About the, oh, remember that time that Irene came in? Uh, this is a cautionary tale for someone, not me. It's not, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who said it, but uh, marijuana isn't a gateway into drugs, you know, trauma and abuse, uh, neglect. Those are all gateways into drugs. Into drugs, yeah. And yep. the big line that they put up at the very beginning of this between using and abusing, that's sort of the line between those two. Like you don't just start abusing drugs. You know, you, there's something compelling you into getting into that behavior. You know, yes, obviously there are people who get caught up in drugs and before they know it, they're addicted. Right. Uh, but, but you know who could have helped? Dr. Joyce Brothers, but we didn't give her the chance. Well, maybe she would have fixed something with those band uniforms. Maybe that would have given everybody, maybe that was the real hope. Maybe yeah. that was the answer. They cut her scene where she fixed it. They went straight for the drugs bonfire. <laughs> They cut, they cut the nuanced scene with the therapist who sat down with some kids and like tried to work to, to down uh, to the root of things in favor of a drugs bonfire because wish, a nuanced therapy based approach is not dramatic. No, it's not. Nobody can overdose on therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that they had done this uh, gym scene or as I like to call it, Eileen's big to do. Uh, like they had, she'd come in there and started burning the drugs and she'd start yelling and, and, Joyce, Dr. Joyce Brothers like, actually, we we figured all this out. <laughs> right. All, like, we've all agreed not to do drugs. I just sat down and talked with them for a couple seconds. We thought of some real solutions and stuff like that. So right. could, you, could you put that out and you're fired? Or like she looks down at the bonfire and she's like, you realize this is all, this is like candy. And then, and then we realize it's candy and then it's a beautiful mind. And there were never any drugs at the school. <laughs> and this is all Eileen's fervent imagination. Like she just wanted, she, like her brother died of a drug overdose. And since then she just sees drugs everywhere and she's just trying to fight them. But there's no, she's like tilting it's, at windmills the whole time. It's like that movie with uh, Brad Pitt and um, uh, Norton. Uh, fight drugs. Fight drugs. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's all she wants to do. Fight drugs, but the drugs, drugs are the drugs do inside her. Do not talk her about fighting drugs. <laughs> all about- she can do is talk about fight drugs. That's the true. only rule of fight drugs is to talk about fight drugs and nothing else. <laughs> 
Oh boy. The, the first rule should be don't do angel dust, dust and drive around the mountains. Uh, don't or be any... near a window. How about that? Don't be Helen Hunt. Uh, it, uh, don't have a boyfriend who cooks up angel dust in the fucking school yeah, lab. Yeah, it is otherwise useless. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, you, the listener of this, not a child in this day and age, should 100% go and find this movie and check it out because it is fan-fucking-tastic. It's mind-bogglingly awful in all of the best possible ways. And I cannot I cannot say enough about the watching experience. Here's the other thing is, you know what make this uh, movie a lot easier to watch? Drugs. Drugs. Drugs would make it a lot easier to watch. <laughs> Miles agrees. Um, well, and uh, the last word that I will say on this is mm-hmm. to to quote a very sage <laughs> person: um, "Don't hassle me, pansy. I can handle." <laughs> you're really getting me bummed. Also, no, you're using it right. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Things are bummed. Inanimate things oh, are bummed. Things are bummed. Excuse yes. me. Yes. Yeah. No, that's 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 my fault. Yes. Also, I'm sorry uh, that I bummed this conversation. Shit in your hat, and go wear it. Wear it. Is that shit in your hat? In your hat. In, in your, your hat. hat. <laughs> Let's bring that back, everybody. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Well-known teen slang from the '80s. In your hat. Uh, who did you want to hug in all of this? Uh, uh Helen Hunt. Yeah, same. And just be like, that's fine. Be like, get a new I, family. Go to college. Get a new boyfriend. Get a new family. Just like, do what you can. Also, they'll give you an Oscar for the hours, but they'll be making up for this, for shunning you in this performance. <laughs> <laughs> also, I wish that when Helen Hunt was on PCP, she would Hulk out, but then turn into Holly Hunter. Oh, fun. That would be nice. I want to I wanna do a new Hulk, where it's Helen Hunt hulking out into Holly Hunter. Um. That I think feel like they get confused so much that uh, I've done it twice in this podcast. <laughs> She's one. Oh no, she was nominated. Also, when you said the hours, it's as good as it gets that she won an Oscar for. My bad. I was, I was like, also I said the hours and meant the session, which I think she did. She get. got a nomination for the sessions. How many, how many Oscars has Helen Hunt won? Helen Hunt won. For Best Actress in 1988, As Good As It Gets, and she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress 2013, The Sessions. Gotcha. Okay. She's doing fine. Yeah. Look, we can't all be Meryl Streep. Okay? Yeah. What did I learn? A bunch of useless slang from the 40s. Straight up. I learned that you could probably show this as propaganda for what not to do in the war on drugs. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Um, yeah, no, I, what did, what did I learn that Rick Springfield can really rock it when he wants to? Yeah. I mean, and if, and he only wanted to in 1981 and 1982 (laughs) (laughs) and that he lost as much passion for rocking as I've always lost for Rick Springfield. Well, he was on general hospital. Like he was an actor for a while too. Oh yeah. Rick Springfield's on general hospital. I I have no clue. The next time we meet Andy, we'll be talking about the Bicycle Man episodes of Different Strokes. Um, these are the, in a way, the impetus for this entire podcast. Truly, it, I, look, it, it obviously I haven't looked at this with the the podcast's uh, scrutiny, but I'm pretty sure this is up there for maybe the most special episode mm-hmm. ever there was. Not the best, no, but the most special, the special of all special episodes. I think the the zenith of where special episodes went. Yes. I'm very excited to look at it. You can um, watch uh, all of Different Strokes on Hulu. If you want, or just that one episode and then don't watch anything else. <laughs> That's up to you. 
Um, awesome. So we'll see you next time when we're talking about the bicycle man. Until then, take it easy, I guess. Bring snacks. Thanks. Bye. bye.